Blog Talk Radio. Century, doing something mean to it, do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, strange from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need a same music. No one man to have all that power. The clock ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the school closed, the prison's open We ain't got nothing to lose Everybody we rollin' uh, Everybody we rollin' With some light-skinned girls And some Kelly rollin' In this white man world We the ones chosen So night, school world I'll see you in the morning uh. One bleeds red And one bleeds blue Two friends One heated rival it's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Much. 
uh, for a big letdown. But, hey, I'm crossing the fingers and keeping them crossed, Mike. Uh, we got to get yep. this thing done because, look, we've been going to Vegas for the last nine years, meeting up with a 1,000 of our best friends in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. We've got to keep it going for year number 10. And guess what? <laughs> We're going regardless. So it doesn't really matter. Let's book the, book the flight, the room. We're going with or without an NFL season. We might have to go back a couple weeks later if there's a late season. But, look, from what I'm hearing, there's, uh, there's another scenario here if it's a if it's an 18-game season, right, or an 18-week season, then you've got um, – uh, or, I'm sorry, you've got 16 games to play, and usually you have a bye week, they can still pull this full season off, even if they're two weeks behind, by removing the bye week and then removing the week before the Super Bowl. So you still have the Super Bowl going off at Lucas Oil Stadium here in Indianapolis, Indiana. We've waited a long time for that. And uh, they can still get this thing done, even with a two-week delay, Mike. What are your thoughts? Well – you know, honestly, my thoughts are uh, if if they can't get it done right now and if it's going to take a little while to get it done, which it obviously is, uh, what would hurt to have a Super Bowl in March? Uh, what goes on St. Patty's Day, Jets Green versus Eagles Green. Jets Green and Eagles Green, St. Patty's Day Super Bowl. I like well, it, Mike. I like you it. might be half right. But, uh, no, no, you're really not right at all. <laughs> it won't be Jets green, Eagles green at all. But either way, but uh, the, the, what I'm trying to say is uh, if if these guys can't get this together, but when they finally do get it together, make sure they get it together and get it done right. Uh, let's not rush it up and have the Super Bowl on, on the first Sunday in uh, uh, February. Why not have the Super Bowl in March? What's wrong with that? What's going on in February? You got you got Daytona 500. Everything lays down after that. Everything lays down. All right, three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Mark St. Amon is going to be our guest. Uh, Amon, sorry about that. Mark St. Amon is going to be our guest tonight. Confessions of a Fantasy Football Junkie. You remember that title? Uh, uh, the, the most popular selling fantasy author. Uh, in, in uh, I guess in all the world right now, and uh, look, I tell you what, we're gonna we're excited to hear from Mark tonight. I talked to him earlier this evening, been chatting with him throughout the week. Uh, should be a fun, fun show. Look, we're also streaming live on iTunes Radio. Uh, make sure if you have your Apple TV, you get it out. You go to Blog Talk Radio. You go to the Fantasy Sports feed, the Fantasy Sports channel. There we are. Just kick back, relax. Uh, pop open a cold one and uh, sit back for the next, uh, what, we got another uh, 40, 55 minutes here. We're going to talk about the world of high-stakes fantasy football. For those of you that haven't played before, you play a local league, you got to jump into some of these leagues. They're $60, maybe $77. Depends on the contest you play. And uh, you jump in and get your feet wet. By the following year, you'll be playing in a high-stakes league, hopefully in Vegas or Chicago or New York or one of these places around the country where you, too, can win some big, big money enjoying uh, a hobby that we all love. And, Mike, that's how it started for us. Back about nine years ago, we took that leap, and for yeah. us, we were hooked from the very from the very beginning. Well, I'm going to tell you what. You know, I, I thought I was a uh, I thought I was a fantasy football guru. You know, I thought I was pretty good. You know, here I am uh, in my local leagues doing this and that. And then, uh, you know, I got – connected with you, Scott, and we started doing uh, stuff in Chicago, uh, 14-teamers, stuff like that. I'm going, wow, I really got to do my homework. 
just like uh, last uh, last week. I really respect uh, uh, you and uh, the rest of the league uh, that we drafted with. Uh, man, I'm going to tell you what. It takes a lot of work. It takes a, a lot of uh, dedication and, uh, you know, studying, understanding exactly where you where you need to grab and uh, what what you want to get, and as the as the rounds go by, what player you want because there are players available come round twenty twenty one. They are available. They're out there. It's just you going out there and getting them. But it's it's a lot of fun. It, it's just a great experience, and uh, you know I enjoy the NFFC, and I hope to be able to do it again sometime. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. We've got a full crew tonight in the chat room here at Red versus Blue. We affectionately call them the crew that are comprised of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Nine route Azuri Code Cracker from the FTA is in the house. Howdy Streakers, Dane Bricker, Josh. Uh, how you doing, buddy? What's going on with Beanie Wells there in Arizona? Fantasy Assassins is in the house. Big draft coming up for those guys. Garbage Point, KO Crew. Man, look at the list goes on and on. Lance, John Duckworth, Wayne Ellis, Dave Gerzak from the FFPC is in the house. Syracuse Slapper, $100,000 richer from last year in 7.2. Thanks for being a part of Red vs. Blue. We appreciate the love. All right. We're going to go ahead and bring on our guest for the evening, Mark St. Amon. Uh, we're going to go ahead and use the new switchboard here. And, uh, Mark, hopefully you can hear me, man. I can hear you. How you guys doing? Hey, Mark. Hey. Introduce uh, yourself, Mike. This is uh, this is Mark, a uh, best-selling author. Mark, and Mike, tell him who you are. Mike, what's going on? Hey, hey, Mark. Uh, Mike Trent. Uh, I'm just uh, average Joe uh, playing fantasy football and uh, just just enjoy it. Uh, going to a bunch of different leagues, playing with Scott and uh, from uh, Brandenburg, Kentucky, and absolutely love it. Mark, how about yourself? Nice, nice. Well, I mean, I, I, hey, I started out doing the same thing you guys did, just local leagues, and then then I got tipped off to. Uh, the sort of the sort of the Vegas high stakes scene and and went out to the uh, uh, the WCOF and I think it was 03 and uh, just kind of get the lay of the land and see what it was all about and uh, worked as a draft facilitator you know the sort of the the, the Vanna White uglier Vanna White situation working the uh, working the draft tables at, at the WCOF and kind of got got the lay of the land there and then participated the next year and did it a couple more years and I like you guys I mean I was I was just hooked on the whole high stakes uh action right away you know it, it's the combination of you know the fun of your local league with you know all the all the you know the fun weekend to Vegas and it's just the whole the whole package so you know like like you guys are saying in the in the opening hope we can uh we can all get out there and you know lock out willing uh get get another season in Mark, I'm, uh, I've got uh, something I want to I want to get you up to speed on. Uh, we've got uh, a little thing here at the program. It's called the buzz meter, and I'm going to go ahead and break it out. <laughs> Excellent. Just give me well, a break. This is about the time in the show where we ask Mike about on the buzz meter scale, where is he at uh, from 1 to 10 here? Mike, yes, you with us, bud? 
I don't know about Mike. I'm okay. hammered, so you know Mike can Mike can, <laughs> can chime in hey, too. Hey, Amberbox, Amberbox is on sale here in Indianapolis, so that's what we're uh, that's what we're doing here. Mike, you okay, bud? I'm in a solid six. Solid six. Okay. All right. Good deal. Well, look, Mike, you know uh, Mark, I'm gonna jump. Right, I'm gonna jump right off here. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, an author, man. That takes. Uh, tell me about how that came about, because most of us, you know, we're not thinking about writing a book until we. Uh, we retire, we actually learned something. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. It was one of those things that, that you know, I, I'd always wanted to do. I was an English major in college and did a lot of creative writing and stuff like that in high school, and was always kind of dicking around with things. And I think, like a lot of people, I just kind of, you know, I started probably a thousand different projects, and you know, the the, the pipe dream of, all right, this is going to be the great American novel, and. You know, so I start writing stuff, and I get like three pages in, and forget about it, or get distracted. Um, and then uh, 2003 rolled around, and and um, kind of a long story. I had I had got got I got married in in 01, and um, at the time I was working at this ad agency in Connecticut. My wife was back at our place in Boston. We were kind of doing like the the back and forth weekend thing, which kind of sucked. But the upside was I had a, a, just a shitload of time to to devote to you know, all my fantasy teams, and uh, and the 2003 season was rolling around, and, you know, I'd been in, in the league, like a lot of people, I'd started at, at uh, like, with a bunch of my coworkers at, at at an office, and was sort of dragged into fantasy. I was a, you know, a huge sports fan growing up. I grew up in Boston, so I grew up a, you know, Pats, Red Sox, Bruins, Celtics fan, and, you know, obsessed with those teams, and, you know, a huge sports fan, but I never really, you know, this was obviously back in the days like sort of you know fledgling internet days so it wasn't uh you know fantasy football and fantasy sports wasn't nearly as widespread and so when my coworkers were kind of like hey you know you want to join this fantasy football league i was like i had the same reaction that a lot of people did at the time who didn't know much about it you know the old cliche of like hey isn't that just dungeons and dragons for sports nerds you know and and uh so i joined and i was just hooked immediately and, uh, you know, did pretty – did okay my first couple of years, but never won the title. So 2003 rolls around, and, and I was like, look, I'm not going to go into another season where I'd spend more time on this than anybody. I think I, I, I know more than these dicks in my league. I'm going to win this thing. And so I did what any sane person would do in that situation. I, I flat out quit my job um, to devote full time, uh, all my time, to my, my, that one fantasy team. Um, nice. And this was, yeah, nice. you know, this wasn't a, this was not high stakes either. It was, um, I think the the our league prize at the time was, uh, I think first place was five hundred bucks, so it was not a money maker. That's um, ballsy. Yeah, so That's I just ballsy. I kicked the job to the curb, and you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, luckily, um, you know, my wife and I didn't didn't have kids yet, so at the time it it was, you know. If it was going to go up in flames, it was just going to be the two of us. But um, I, uh, <laughs> you know, so so I, I said, look, I'm just going to do this full time. And, and at the time, I had a uh, a satire sports website called the Sports Rag for a while, and it was sort of like you know uh, the Onion or Sports Pickle, that kind of thing. And my my plan was just to kind of document this whole kind of crazy season as like a you know full time fantasy football player just on my site as sort of like a I guess a precursor to a blog. Again, it was it was 03, so blogging wasn't as you know huge as as it is now. And then you know the more I started writing and the more I started getting it, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like becoming sort of a fun narrative, and and it just sort of 
kind of just blew up into more of just a bigger idea and more of a not just a you know um Scott you know we talked about this a little bit when we talked off uh you know off the air before the show that you know if something is just stats based or something is just like goofy jokes it it gets a little dry but but the what I ended up writing it sounded like it was just sort of a a combination of just kind of you know what what I I hope people find funny and and was you know something a humorous account of one man season mixed in with a lot of you know hardcore football stuff which people also like so it just sort of became a a um a look at this hobby and the obsession and why we're all nuts about it and um you know I I interviewed people in and out of the industry and some I interviewed an NFL player and it just it was just a look at uh a look at fantasy through the eyes of one obsessive and one kind of crazy season so kind of a fever pitch for fantasy football i guess so uh that's that that I mean, is a guest that is uh that is awesome dude that's that's living wow. the dream right there man yeah so the, for, book, uh, the, book has, uh, the book is well known in uh, fantasy circles man confessions of a fantasy football addict i saw it on the tables and saw people carrying it around at the draft those early drafts WCFS, talk about your success there because that was your that was basically your high stakes experience, right? It was, it was. Um, like I said, I, I went out to facilitate in you know, '03 just to see what it was all about, and then, um, you know, that that was that was you know, WCOF was uh, you know the the original and 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 you know the highest profile and highest uh, prize um, high stakes league at the time, and so I went out there and. Um, like I said, facilitated in 03 and, and participated in 04 and did okay in 04, but then 07 rolled around. And, um, you know, as, as you guys both know, it, it's, you know, sometimes sometimes you draft with your heart a little bit and sometimes, you know, but most of the time you got to draft with your head and kind of not be a homer and, and try to play it a little rationally. But 07 was a sort of this perfect storm of like, holy shit, I can, I can draft all these Patriots that I think are going to blow up and – and it turned out like we, you know, we, we there were some snickers when we drafted. Uh, we took Brady, I think, at the three-four turn, and then snagged Welker in like the ninth, and and just just kind of loaded up on some Patriots, and we we just steamrolled through that season. I think we we also had Dallas Clark who had his first giant year. Um, so my co-manager and I we uh, um, we just rolled, and we were actually winning. We were uh, winning the entire thing going into week 15. Like we were we were red, we were you know, in good shape to win the 300 grand. And then uh, Mother Nature fucked us. She, uh, there was a blizzard in New England in week 15, and we had uh, Brady, Welker, I think Lavernius Coles, they were playing the Jets. Coles, I think we had, uh, I think it was Krebet, I don't know, we had another Jet, and we just got we just got hosed, and we, we dropped a bunch. But we, we finished 10th uh, overall in 2007, and we still won about 15 grand, which was cool, but... Um, you know, like you guys know, and everyone listening knows, high stakes is, uh, you know, the money's great, and it's always fun to have a little more money online. But it's still, it's still kind of like your local league. You know, you don't, granted, you don't know the guys as well, and there's not a lot of that, you know, smack talk and banter and stuff with strangers because you don't want to be a dick. But um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of fun, and and you know, hoping, like we said, hoping to uh, get back and do it again this year. I like your style, Mark. What's uh, what do you got in the CD deck today, man? You you do iPods? What do you do? How do you how do you listen to your tunes, man? What are you listening to? You know what? I'm I'm a little lazy. I'm, I I listen. I walk to work. I'm, I'm uh, we live out in Boulder, Colorado now. We were in Boston for years, and we're out in Boulder. And 
I walk to work and and I just have my 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 iPhone. I just have got the uh, the uh, you know the 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 iPod on the iPhone and God, right now I just I, I'm sort of like a just a, a mutt when it comes to music. I have everything from Beatles to Eminem to Dylan to you know uh, God like Ray Lamontagne. I just got you know. Okay, all. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark, little like white stripe. Mark, I'm gonna jump in real quick. Uh, you know, uh, just you know, it's totally off the subject, but uh, what you think about them Boston Bruins? Uh, I think that was a huge upset uh, against Vancouver. Yeah, you know, it's um, like I said, I, I've huge Boston sports fan my whole life, and, and somehow, uh, you know, I. I I, I don't I don't I don't think I get as as I don't know I'm not not a big uh not a big like I'll punch you in the face if you hate Boston sports kind of guy but um like a lot of Boston sports fans are but not one I, I of would, those <laughs> no no my 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 head is not filled with like piping hot New England clam chowder that just explodes when I get drunk and causes me to start fights <laughs> but um but uh, no I was I was just I was pumped you know it it it, it didn't didn't have the, quite the same you know uh uh quite the same feeling as as when the Sox won in 04 but um you know I I had been to the old garden just just dozens and dozens of times and you know saw all the guys from you know I started going to games in God, I was probably 8 9 years old so probably mid 70s and that was you know the Esposito and and Wayne Cashman and Stan Jonathan and and you know, yep. all through the '80s with Neely and Bork and all those guys, and it's—I I think it's great. I mean, they—they were—they've been the kind of redheaded stepchild in Boston for for decades now, and uh, you know, it's good to see them get back back up there with the uh, the Celts and Bruins and uh, I mean, Celts and uh, Pats and and uh, Red Sox. So it was it was great, and it was an upset to an extent. I mean, they, the fact that they were down 0-2 in three straight series and 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 you know came back to win it. I think they had the better team overall, so it's as far as upset goes, I don't know if it was like a traditional upset, but the fact that they were down on a two again, uh, you well, know, it's great. You know, when you think about uh, when you think about upsets, I mean, in every uh, major sports uh, that that's happened uh, this year, uh, Dallas Mavericks they they were not even close to being uh, being a favorite to win the NBA title. The Green Bay Packers last year. Uh, they weren't even close to being a favorite. Boston Bruins, they weren't even close to being a favorite. So, uh, you know, it's funny how sports is, uh, you know, you have your favorites that are marketed as the favorite, and then you have your favorites that are underlying, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, it's – and that's the thing about that, uh, especially the NHL is – you know the the NHL is not obviously not a great TV sport and uh, a much better live sport, and that's you know one of the reasons they've struggled over the years, and it's one of the reasons that they you know tried all that crazy shit like the glow pucks and all that. But um, you know the fact that the the you get into the playoffs and you know the, I I think there are few few things more exciting than than a seventh game of a of a hockey playoff. Um, you know we're you know we're, we're we're all huge football fans and you know love our Super Bowls and playoffs and such like that you know but I, I think uh, hockey they they just amp it up in the playoffs and and you know I could find myself watching you know God like a, a Tampa Bay you know Tampa Bay Nashville game whatever it is just just because it's yeah. a playoff hockey game 
Um, There's nothing so, like a game seven, no matter what the sport is. There's nothing yeah. like it. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You a Broncos fan? Uh, you a Broncos fan, Mark? No, no, no. I, 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 I will say I, I uh, got to a couple games this year. I'm, I'm a lifelong Pats fan, and, and moving to Colorado is not going to change that. Um, but I do. I, I had a just an absolute blast at the games. A couple games I went to uh, this year. I went to a preseason game, um, and it's funny, you know, with with fantasy. You know, I, I tell tell my buddies I was going to a uh, I went to a Lions Broncos preseason game. And throughout the whole game, people were – buddies were texting me and, and even, like, you know, people asking me on Twitter and stuff, like, you know, how's how's uh, how's Best looking? You know, how's Calvin looking? Like, they're, they're – you know, how's Pettigrew? Like, this is this is August, and people are asking me about Brandon Pettigrew. Um, but the, the, the experience in Denver, football experience in Denver is great. You know, great fans, great uh, – you know, and this – I say this as someone who's, you know, sworn – Said horrible, horrible things to Broncos players at my TV when the when the Patriots are playing the Broncos. You know they've had some real blood matches with those guys. But um, you know the uh, when they're not playing the Pats, I'll be rooting for them. Put it that way. Well, I was trying to lead into some Brandon Lloyd, No. Sean Moreno, D'Angelo Williams talk. You know, out there in Denver. You know, and just thinking that. Oh wait, D'Angelo is not a Bronco yet, right? I mean, Fox is. Fox has all but said he's going to go get the guy, but uh, he's not really a Bronco yet. So at what point in the draft, if you're drafting right now, Mark, uh, you know, talk to us, man. If you're drafting right now in these early drafts and we haven't had free agency and the luxury of that benefit, do you take no Sean Moreno? At what point do you decide that, you know what, uh, Moreno is, 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 worth, uh, is worth a gamble? I mean, I, I can see – I could see taking him somewhere in the, I don't know, maybe sixth round or so, being like, okay, I'm going to fire a dart here, you know, right around the time where you, where I see your guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. See, we've read a lot about where D'Angelo might end up, and it is sort of like a, you know, people are assuming it's just a foregone conclusion that Fox is going to snag him, and he probably will. But, but I mean, you also read about him going to, uh, you know, somewhere like Miami. You know, they're looking for a – Apparently looking for a, 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 a change of pace back or a, a, um, a compliment to uh, to Thomas. Um, so I mean, who who knows where he's going to end up? I you know I, I think I think Miami will end up signing like a, a Sproles or a Jarius Norwood or someone. But um, you know I I, I think uh, I would I don't know I, I wouldn't be in a hurry to 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 sign to uh, go after Noshan even even if he was the the, the clear starter. I think there there are a bunch of guys that uh, I think are, you know, maybe not getting as much um, that 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 probably won't get as, as much play as him, but are oddly enough, you know, looking at some early rankings. I mean, I've I've seen some early rankings like on, you know, uh, NFL.com they have Moreno over Stephen Jackson or Moreno over Jonathan Stewart or Peyton Hillis, and it's it's insane. I, I don't know how they got that, but. Um, you know, I, I would I'd put Moreno in that kind of I don't know that Legarrette Blount, Matt Forte kind of range. Um, maybe Sean Green, even though Sean Green kind of tanked last year. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. There, there, there are a bunch of guys I would take before Moreno. Put it that way. Even if even if he's the sole star, starter, and especially uh, especially if D'Angelo's uh, uh, going to be signed. All right, well, I threw that one at you. That's not fair. We didn't talk about that earlier in the day, but I feel like you can handle it. Look, who you have 
been talking about is somebody that obviously we could talk about the Arian Fosters and Jamal Charles, but 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 talk about Arian Foster here. You're not so you've got a few doubts, and is is that something that we that that would keep you from taking him in the top three? No, I, I don't think I wouldn't take him top three. I just think I just think there's some reasons why I would go for, um, I, especially in a in a uh, reception league. You know, PPR league. Even though Foster's, you know, he's, he gets some catches. Um, I, I think one of the things that 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 you know people might overlook is the the fact that they they've um, uh, they didn't resign Vonta Leach, and you know he's a big bruising fullback. Um, and so you just never know how Foster's going to going to acclimate to uh, you know a, a new fullback situation. You know, it's kind of, I mean, for a running back, it's almost like a you know a, a quarterback trying to work in a new left guard uh, or left tackle. Um, you know, and 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 Foster did have almost 400 touches last year. You know, we're getting into that kind of dangerous, uh, you know, 400 carry um, Larry Johnson, Cedric Benson kind of range. And granted, it's only one year, um, but that's still a lot of work um, in one year, and, and that's a lot of hits. Uh, the other thing is, is, is Tate is, you know, granted he's coming off a season-ending injury, but he's he's by all accounts uh, healthy. And you know, Houston, they've that's the the highest they've ever drafted a running back. You know, they took him in the second round, and and they, you know, teams GMs have egos, coaches have egos, and they want to prove that they they were right to uh, take a guy that that high. Um, and 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 going back to the 393 carry thing, he's he's not a he he takes down a lot of guys, but he's not a massive guy. I mean, he's he's I think what six six feet six one, maybe 220, 20, 25, 227 pounds or something, which you know the NFL that the part means is about 220, 215. So he's not a huge guy. So to take that kind of abuse, so I I, I wouldn't not take him top three, but I would certainly. Um, consider uh, Charles, uh, Chris Johnson, and uh, I mean maybe even AP over him. But I, I think I think gun to my head, I would probably only take Jamal Charles over him. You know, if I had one of those early picks, I'd, I'd probably go Jamal, uh, Charles one if I had it. Um, but if I'm sitting at three or four, I think you got to take you know roll the dice on Foster because I mean he had what 18 Mark, total touch, touchdowns last year. Mark, uh, Mark, let me bring you here real quick. Um, I have a trade that, that's been offered to me. Uh, I have Jamal Charles. Uh, of course, I'm I'm, I'm very thin uh, at running back and thin at running or at wide receiver as well. But uh, I have a trade offer. Uh, I have Jamal Charles and the 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 other guy is, is wanting to give me Jordy Nelson, Pierre Garcon, and either Peyton Hillis or Sean Green. One of the two for Jamal Jamal Charles. What do Pass. you think about that? Pass. I wouldn't do it. I, it's one of those classic, you know. I'll, I'll give you, uh, you know, it's a classic quantity for quality trade. You know, I, I think I think Garcon's fine. I think Jordy Nelson's fine. Although people are, you know, I, I think opinions of him are a little higher after the Super Bowl. But um, and he's carrying that into the season. He might be drafted a little. Uh, a little higher because of that than he, than he probably should. But, you know, Hillis, I mean, Hillis worries me a tiny bit um, just because, you know, they, they have they have Hardesty who kind of like the like Houston. They're, you know, Cleveland's going to want to see what they have in this kid. And, I mean, Hillis is a workhorse, and they, I mean, you should hear the Denver talk radio out here all 
all summer they've been bitching and moaning about it. How do we let Peyton Hillis go? Which, you know, they should, but you you never know how a guy like like that's going to emerge, and no one could have predicted that he was going to have the kind of year he did. Still, you know, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't go for the I would keep the quality, in, unless you're going to get a sure thing. I think you're just going a little too far down the the charts from Charles to a Hillis, um, yeah. And the other the two receivers you're getting aren't enough to kind of fill that gap. Um, you know, I'm not if, sure. If, I'm not sure that's a, sure a downgrade though, Mark Hillis. Why is Hillis a downgrade? You're going to have to unpack that one for me a little bit. Well, like I said, there, there's uh, there, there's you know, hardest is there. It's uh, I don't know. I just don't think. Right, I don't think he's don't think he's going to repeat. Okay. I mean, he's it's a All good right, it's so a good suppose, name yeah, name trade, but I, I don't love, know. I love I love how the fantasy community, not the NFL or the coaching staff of these teams, but the fantasy community decide just. All to, to collectively every year to do this to certain guys, and they say, "And eh, now he's not going to do it." And then everybody right. kind of follows suit and sees where they're drafted, and everybody just kind of, you know, sucks at the little T here of the fantasy community. But to be honest with you, until the NFL back, uh, the coaches start to say something. Like here's here's a classic example of your boy Jamal Charles. Last year, the fantasy community was like, "No, he's not going to." Look, what you saw last year. <laughs> That's not for real. That's not real. He's going to break down. He doesn't have that. He's got good birth, but he's he's not really a quality NFL back. Don't get sold on the six yards to carry of Jamal. Do you remember that? I, I can go back to every single website and show you. I, I, I mean, I, I, I've seen it. And so this year, it seems like Peyton Hillis is the guy that everybody's like, oh, no. Well, what you, what, no, forget what you saw last year. That didn't really happen. Well, what did they really do to change the situation besides giving them a few more wide receivers? I mean, to kind of help things even more. I mean, they were stacking everybody in the box to stop the guy. And every time I watched Cleveland, it seemed like I was playing against him on another team. Somebody else owned him. And here I am trying to figure out, well, why do they keep giving him the ball? Because he just pounds the ball and, they, and he catches the ball and he scores TDs and he does it all. But everybody because in the fantasy world wants to say he's no good. Yeah, I just I, I just think his style of play is uh, it's just not conducive to to multiple seasons of that kind of production. He's uh, right, you know, he, was, he was slowed down towards the end of last year. Um, you know, he had knee injuries in college, and you know, look, we we can't all pretend we're doctors. I'm not going to say that he's you know he's going to get injured, but I, I think it just seems like the, the the Browns are probably they seem to want to to implement a slightly different game plan than. Last year, you know, Hillis will be the main back, but you know, again, there, there's uh, they they they, they want to see what they they have in in their their second year guy um, Hardesty, and uh, um, you know, it, he's I think Hillis only he only had a uh, God what two 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 hundred and eighty two two hundred seventy carries last year or something, um, so it wasn't a right. huge workload, but if if I think I think it's just gonna be be the number of carries. I mean, if if they work in Hardesty, that's just naturally going to take take probably you know on a hundred hundred and ten touches away from Hillis. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't, don't I, I just I just I just think that 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 for me anyway, he's just one of those guys that that has a few red flags in terms of of um, you know uh, I don't think he'll, he'll repeat, but I, I I don't I don't think it's going to be a, a huge drop off. But just speaking in terms of just this trade, I think that yeah, if it was Hillis and a slightly you know, a, a, a receiver with a slightly higher ceiling, like a, 
If it was Hillis yeah. and Jeremy Macklin, for example, for Charles, I'd be like, all right, do it. But, mm. you know, Gar- Garcon's been a little, little banged up. Nelson's just a throw-in. I mean, you know, God knows what's going to happen in Green Bay, especially with Finley coming back. Um, and, and Driver having a good last year, good year last year. I don't know. I wouldn't do that one myself. Well, yeah. I also uh, look at that trade. I see I see Garcon as another piece in that uh, that equation that really got it going late in the year. 14 games, 67 catches on 118 targets. Now, people were really hoping for the, you know, the huge Reggie Wayne type season out of Garcon last year, but I don't think that was fair of us to declare that from Garcon when just a year prior, he had only had 88 targets. Now, in in, a, in less games last year, Peyton throws in the ball 30 more times. He gets 20 more catches out of it and scores two more touchdowns. So 67, 806 is not a bad year for Garcon, especially with, you know, all the turmoil there. Which, I mean, you put Dallas Clark back in the lineup, maybe that will help him out a little bit. So I'm not really ready to destroy Garcon for his year either because when you look at the numbers and you unpack it a little bit, I just love how the fantasy community just just decides to say, yeah, that guy didn't do it for me. Well, no, he didn't give you Reggie Wayne type numbers, but he actually there's a nice uptick there from the, from from one year to the next. So he's another guy that that's kind of interesting in that. And, and you know, you look at the last five or six games for Garcon, there was every every game he scored a touchdown or two. So I mean, he was he was starting to become a little more effective in the second half of the year versus the first half. I kind of like to dissect. The, the season, first half and second half. Do you, you do something like that at all? You look at the, the last half and you kind of give that a little bit more weight? Yeah, definitely. You know, so sometimes I think people to put, um, you know, too much stock in, in, you know, thinking that someone, let's say someone finishes really hot at the end of uh, um, the year, that they're going to naturally carry that over into the following year. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think – I think that this, what, what we're talking about here in Garcon is not like, is he a good fantasy receiver? It, it's, is he a good addition to this trade that Mike mentioned? And, and for me, I would rather have a better receiver if I'm going to drop down from Charles to what I see as a, 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 um, a slight drop from, from Charles to, you know, a Peyton Hillis. But to your point, yeah, I think Garcon was a great – he was a um, – I had him in, in one league I won and, and as a, a, a number three guy, and he was a he was a – a, a perfect number three guy, and and uh, with, with you know number two uh, upside every week, um, especially when Collie went down, and yeah, I mean he he you know he has problems with drops and and you know he he gets called out a little bit, um, you know Peyton Peyton's good about uh, you know he he you can see some some of Peyton's body language a lot of the times when Garcon he dropped some really easy balls he made some fantastic he catches did, he did he also yeah. dropped a, a lot of a lot of easy balls. Um, but um, I yeah I, I I love Garcon as a like a, a number two number three receiver, um, but just in terms of that trade. But it's funny you mentioned Reggie Wayne, is that's a guy that speaking of the fantasy community all kind of rallying around this notion that ah oh, Wayne's done. It's like are you you guys out of your minds? If if Reggie Wayne falls to me is, you know if I first couple rounds if I'm loading up on, you know let's say I do a, you know a, uh, you know. Uh, I don't know, Ray Rice, Aaron Rodgers, or you just just try to go, you know, something different, running back, quarterback, first two rounds. If Reggie Wayne's there in the third round or, I mean, God, I've seen him, him dropping to the fourth based on people just kind of saying, oh, he's he's washed up, he's done. That's insane. I mean, he had, he had yeah. 111 catches last year as his career high. Um, yeah. Four, you know, six touchdowns are a little low, but, you know, 1,400 yards, he, he's, he's uh, you know, they say, they say he's injury prone, he's, 
he's like Cal Ray. He's played in 150 straight games. Um, but you know, they're so unpredictable. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but I mean, you, you definitely raise a good point that there. Someone says something, and I mean, you know how fancy message boards are. It starts to kind of gain this snowball momentum of like, ooh, Wayne's done, Wayne's done, Wayne's done, which which I always try to look on message boards before the season and see, you know, see who who's getting that kind of negative kind of negative groundswell, and then if it if if I disagree with it, I'm like, holy shit, I can get this guy probably you know a round or two later than my league mates are probably going to get him. I'm you know I'm all set. Man, we are running so far behind. Mark St. Amant uh, is with us tonight, and I want to make sure that we get time to talk about your Rookie of the Year candidate that we talked about before this, uh, before our you know call started here and our show started. And uh, there's a lot of options to choose from. Mark Ingram, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Ryan Williams. Who's your Rookie of the Year? Um, might be a little crazy, but I actually – with 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 rookies, it's all it's all about opportunity, obviously. And I'm 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 actually going with Daniel Thomas on Miami. Um, you know, uh, my, my a close second. There, there's actually a good uh, you know, a good little debate on Twitter this week about rookie of the year and going back and forth with some guys. And and I, I almost went with Cam Newton. And and it, it, people kind of you know bash me a little bit. And anyone else who kind of picked Newton because you know he's got some of the negative press and blah blah. But but again, it, it's it's the guys who are going to have the ball in their hands for the, for the majority of the season, and you know I love I love talents like Julio Jones and AJ Green, and um, but you know Jones has Roddy White and Gonzalez, and you know Turner's going to get his touches. Green, who knows who his quarterback's going to be? Um, you know I I just like it. and you look back, um, you know putting it in a little fantasy perspective, you look back on what rookies have really really made an impact in. You know, not just in, in the NFL, but in fantasy circles over the last couple of years, and, and, and it's really kind of slim pickings in terms of rookies. Definitely no quarterbacks. Um, yep. But that said, I think in terms of, of just numbers, I think I think Newton will. Um, I mean, Clawson is not the answer in Carolina. They're they're going to want to get get Newton in there, especially to sell tickets. Um, he could he could probably start at least 11 games and put up some numbers just on sheer you know sheer reps. But Thomas, I really like. Um, you know, they've already kind of anointed him the the the, uh, the number one back. They're, you know, like I said, they're they're kind of they're kicking the tires on a few change of pace backs. You know, D'Angelo. They're thinking maybe Bradshaw. It'll probably end up being more of like a you know a little guy, kind of scat back type guy like Sproles or Norwood. But you know, I, th- I think I think they're going to give Thomas a lot of opportunity and a lot of touches, and I think that could just translate into the kind of numbers. Now I'm not saying that that you should go ahead and draft Thomas and and, and say all right here's my number two running back all season for fantasy purposes, right. but but um, you know I think uh, I think he's going to put up respectable rookie NFL numbers enough to win uh, to win the uh, the rookie of the year. But you know there there are some intriguing rookies. I just uh, you know stay. I've noticed. Well, I've noticed uh, Mark that uh, you know you never bought the uh, name up uh, Shane Vereen. Uh, what do you think about him? I like Vereen. I like Vereen a lot. You know, it's um, uh, it's tough for me to, I, I don't know, because Green Ellis is, I mean, he, he was a, he was a workhorse last year, and, and you know, everyone kind of, especially in fantasy uh, world, everyone kind of stays away from Patriots running backs for the most part historically just because, you know, Belichick's such a, such a wild card in terms of, uh, right. you know, who's, who's going to do, every, you know, who's going to start every year. But, um, 
But I, Vereen is, he's really the only, um, like, vers- truly versatile all-around back that the, the Pats have in their backfield right now. You know, Green Ellis is, um, like I said, he's he's uh, he's he's kind of like a small pounder type guy. He's not a huge guy, but he's he's great on the goal line. He's a real. He's got a nose for the end zone. Um, you know, he had what like 13 touchdowns, or whatever it was last year. Um, but Vereen is um, he's a real he's a real all-around guy. Um, you know, I think uh, I think I think Belichick sees him as a you know as as a lot of the Patriots papers have been calling him these days like sort of a Swiss Army knife type. Uh, Type back that uh, um, you know he can just plug into just about any situation. But uh, I really I, I I like Green a lot, and, and and I was tempted to put him up there with Thomas um, as the the offensive rookie of the year. But again, Belichick's such a wild card. You know, Ben Jarvis is going to get most of the carries, but I think Green will do some nice yeah, you stuff. You never know. Yeah. Daniel Thomas definitely has a complete game. That's why the uh, Miami Dolphins picked him. I'm not real sure about if I like the tall type of frame, why, you know, running back. I mean, he just he seems like he – you remember Kevin Smith, he's dominating in college. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yep. Thomas played a little bit uh, against a better competition than that, and he's bulkier and beefier, and he's definitely uh, – he's more athletic, but, but he just runs tall like that, like the forte Kevin Smith kind of backs, and I've just never been a big fan. Oh, Peterson runs tall, but he's able to – He's got the whole package. I'm not sure if Thomas has the speed that I'm really looking for out of that type of build to make something happen. But I, you know what? There's a lot of guys now that you and a couple of other guys, I know Duckworth from Dynasty BFD, they like Daniel Thomas as a big swap. So I'm hearing that over and over. So I got to I got to keep bringing him up now. Let, let's move on to some of the some of the other guys that you talked about. Uh, you know, you obviously you talk about the man crush on Jamal Charles, but you also mentioned. <laughs> some underrated uh, fantasy star wide receivers that might be somebody we want to keep an eye on when free agency picks up. Um, oh, you mean from last year? Are you uh, talking you, about were, the, you were talking about maybe underrated in 2011. Yeah, yeah. I think I think um, uh, a guy we, we talked about a little bit um, over email before uh, the show is Mike Thomas on uh, on Jacksonville. Um, you know, the, again, there's another good little little – Twitter debate this week about uh, you know who are the, the the kind of the all underrated team last year um, and actually wait before I forget just to jump back on, on Thomas for a second yeah he's um he's not like a real he, he's six feet so he's not like a tall tall guy um, and he's for a guy who's 230 pounds who's kind of like a downhill runner he's all he's a, he's a great pass catcher so especially in, in in reception leagues you know he could could give you a little a little boost as a flex player. Um, which will also help his, you know, rookie of the year numbers if he catches some some passes. But um, you know, the, back to the underrated thing. Yeah, I think um, I think Thomas was he didn't put up gaudy numbers by any means, but in in that offense where, you know, I mean, Garrard was a guy who who a lot of people picked as like a fantasy sleeper QB, and and he's you know he's been sort of steady and solid. He's not throwing a ton of passes. I mean, Thomas caught I think what 66 passes and. Um, Last year and uh, and and uh, you know four or five touchdowns or whatever it was, I, I think he's he's got a chance to to you know make the step up. Um, you know Sims Walker obviously had a up and down year last year, mostly down and and uh, you know Thomas that a lot of a lot of the word out of Jacksonville is that Thomas is looking like he's ready to make the leap into the uh, the number one slot there. I also love um, uh, uh, Amendola in St. Louis. Especially, and this is maybe something we can oh. we can talk about. Uh, 
Um, you know, there, there, there's there's talk of, of maybe them kicking the tires on Plaxico. You know, maybe it's because of the, the Spagnolo connection, and you know they want to get Amendola back into his sort of. You know, he was sort of masquerading as the number one wide receiver last year, but he's more of a a Welker type guy. Um, and uh, you know, if, if he if if they bring in a number a true number one guy to kind of you know open him up for some of the Welker kind of stuff, he could you know easily be looking at 100 plus catches, um, especially as a uh, um, you know, Bradford emerges even more, and uh, yeah, but but I mean, Amendola was a guy who who you know a lot of people forgot about last year, and I I think I don't know maybe it's just because he's like a little white dude I don't know they just uh, <laughs> they just write him off a little bit this year so I'd say keep an eye on him especially if St Louis signs uh, not that Plax is the answer but you know if they sign a number a number one guy to to line up there especially in those three wide uh, formations. If they don't, does uh, Amadoma still uh, factoring into your equation? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he, um, you know, like like I said, he's uh, he, he's not the not your traditional uh, number one guy. Um, he's he's, right. he's more of a more of a slot guy, and he still put up some nice numbers last year. Um, and you know, Bradford will be uh, one year better, and uh, yeah, I, I think he's he's. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that you could get as a probably still get as a you know fourth receiver and put up uh, you know easily put up you know three receiver uh, numbers and especially with you know Josh McDaniels in there too you know and, and maybe it's a little knee jerk to say oh McDaniels did it with Welker he can do it with Amendola but um, you know he just still playing the slot as the number one option he he had you know caught 85 balls last year so um, yeah I think I think it's not Beyond, uh, it's not a real stretch to think that he could top, you know, could top 100 in in the right situation. But, but you know, the funny thing about Amadou, and I'm just going to bring this up. I'm glad you brought this guy up because I hear a lot of people talk, trying to figure out the St. Louis offense because Bradford is the key here to this whole thing, and it's it's who does he fall in love with? And it's funny that we saw him magically, magnetically attract to Mark Clayton from Oklahoma, the Oklahoma connection, and we saw that. And we're like, wow, why didn't we see that coming? You know. And right, then right. All, I mean, he, he turned Mark Clayton into an instant fantasy star for the short time that he was healthy there. But then Amendola emerges due to injuries, right? Avery was out. Clayton yep, yep. was out. And then all of a sudden you start to see Amendola become this McDaniels-Welker guy. But guess what, man? 85 catches, great and all, but like less than 700 yards, 689 yards. And I'm, I'm just like, you know what? That's not dangerous enough to me. And I don't see him. He's not Wes Walker. There's only one Wes Walker, right? So Amendola, to me, looking at last year, that was that's basically he's got a lot of hurdles to overcome. When first of all, they drafted two wide receivers. They they kept Donnie Avery's healthy. You got Brandon Gibson, Denario Alexander, who may be a monster. We just don't know. And Lauren Robinson, who probably won't make the team. But there's a lot in front of this kid. I really think the Pettis is the better slot guy for McDaniel's. And I I just have this funny feeling. I hear all these talks about. Amendola is the new Welker for me. I don't think so. I don't, I'm just not sold on Amendola from what I saw last year that he's the type of guy that McDaniel. I mean, okay, he's a good player, but I'm just, in my personal opinion, I think he's got a lot of obstacles to even beat what he did last year. So, you know, that's, it's a, that's a situation I always want to avoid, you know. It's just, it's just too difficult to predict. Yeah, well, I, I, I think, you know, those are some good points. I, I think that, that, you know, if you're looking for him to – Make that leap to number two receiver in fantasy, you're, you're obviously going to be disappointed. And and I think, right. um, like I said, if you can get him as a four, he's he's got that. Especially in PPR leagues, he's 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 uh, 
He'll be he'll be money. Um, you know, like like Welker, he's probably never going to be a, a big TD guy. Welker's never been a big TD guy. You know, except for 07 when you know everyone was you know pretty much 10 10 plus TDs on that team. Um, you know, I think he had what Amon Dillon I think had three last year. Um, so I I think but Welker proved that that even without getting in, um, you know, getting in the end zone every week, you can still be a fantasy factor. And but to your point though, which is a good one, I, I think he's got to bump up the yardage because I mean even when Welker wasn't getting in the uh, in the end zone, he was having you know. 12 catch, 148 yard kind of games with no score, but still that was a pretty monster fantasy day, especially in, you know again in PPR league. So um, and they're stacking the line against uh, Stephen Jackson, so they're, they're bringing that coverage. And he should be able to do something more with that. So Mark right, Saint right. Amon, uh, Amon, you you're on Twitter at Mark Saint Amon, and uh, Jacoby Ford is on Twitter at Jacoby Ford 12. You have any opinions on Jacoby Ford? He's one of my he's one of my uh, friends of the program here. I'm really high on Jacoby Ford. Yeah, yeah, everyone is, and for good reason. I mean, he's, um, you know, he Walker already says that, you know, he's been talking all off season about how, you know, Ford is definitely going to get more involved. Um, you know, Hayward Bay is clearly not the answer there. He's another one of those like insane Al Davis kind of, you know, irrational loves. I mean, talented guy, I guess, but he's just, you know, he, he's better suited for for uh, you know spot action. And Ford is, um, he's getting a lot of sort of you know, kind of an emerging Steve Smith sort of comparison. Um, you know, last year he, he, in limited time, I mean, he still got, what, seven all-purpose TDs and a couple hundred-yard games, and, and, and he's a big play guy. I mean, he's, he's uh, uh, you know, we, we, we joked about, you know, the, the stat heads in, in fantasy, and, and, you know, I mentioned Jacoby Ford and his 18, 18 yards a game. It's actually 18.8, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a big play guy. I, I, I think he's got... The, the the danger with guys like him though is especially in fantasy is you know they start to get that that sleeper hype sleeper hype so much that they then you know become sort of anti sleepers and then then you got to draft them a little bit earlier than you were hoping to so I would just keep an eye on that see when he's going but I think he's worth a he's he's definitely worth he's one of those guys that if you if you really like him and I actually do this year um, if you got to jump around early and get him just get him. Um, I, Another thing about Jacoby Ford uh, and the Oakland Raiders, if if they continue their uh, their run offense and and things like that, then uh, let's face it, the uh, the AFC West uh, their uh, their pass defense has not been that good, so that could open up a lot of things. I think uh, you know the whatever happens with Jacoby Ford is going to be predicated by. Uh, what happens with the running game? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and and, and you know uh, McFadden's obviously got to stay healthy, and and he, you know he he had a obviously a monster start to the year last year, and um, you know uh, they, they 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 have a good running game going. Um, they're getting getting their offensive line a little, little more a uh, little more solidified. Um, I agree though that the 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 pass defense is in the AFC West. I mean, you look at. Um, you know, you look at what what Dwayne Bowe did last year. It's uh, um, you know, he's not a, he's not a deep threat by any means. I mean, Castle, I think had the worst you know completion percentage over 20 yards in the league, and that was yeah, that was a lot to do with him, but also due to his lack of a downfield threat. And but still, I mean, you look at the numbers that that Dwayne Bowe put up, and 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 especially against some of those AFC West teams, it's uh, you know, De- Denver's pasty is is uh, you know. <laughs> 
was not very uh, not very good last year, and and you know they, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I think he's going to have a lot of room to run. So I, I would I would I'm, I'm very bullish on uh, Jacoby Ford. Mark Saint, a lot of confessions of a fantasy football junkie. Uh, you also had the uh, the time with the uh, New York Times, the first uh, fantasy football writer ever for the New York Times on the fifth down blog. You got to check that out. Uh, and you've got another book uh, in the, in the it was uh, the semi pro football book. Talk about that a little bit, real quick. Right, right. Um, yeah, the uh, the the second book was um, you know after I finished the the fantasy one, I was thinking about an idea for a second book, and and you know my agent and I we didn't want to veer so you know uh, go so far away from sports that it became kind of confusing for you know whatever whatever tiny reading audience I was building. So I wanted to kind of stay in the sports world, and and I just started just kind of poking around, and I kept coming across semi-pro football and minor league football, and you know, as as big a sports fan as I am, I was still a little bit like, oh, you know, what what exactly is that? You know, like, do people get paid? Is it kind of a NFL minor league? Like, what is going on? And and so I I started poking around Boston and, and found a team called the Boston Panthers in the uh, Eastern Football League, and I I scheduled a uh, you know a, a call with the general manager who is also the uh, the long snapper and the offensive lineman. You know, a lot of these guys in semi-pro they play. You know, they they they, they perform multiple roles. And uh, we were just talking about semi-pro and why he plays. He was like a 38-year-old dude, played in high school, just kind of like wanted to keep it going. And um, I mentioned in that call that I, I played four years of uh, college soccer. And he was like, "Hey, you should come out. We need a kicker." And I was kind of like, "Yeah, whatever." You know, I'd never played put on a helmet in my life. Like I'm, you know. I'm like five eight and a half, one sixty. Like I'm not a not a football player. And um he was like, No, seriously, come on out. I was like, All right. So I came out the next night and uh and interviewed some of the guys for the you know, what was just gonna be a book on watching from the stands a season in semi pro right. and I ended up uh going out there just on on, on a whim and, and kick taking some kickoffs and hitting some field goals and they're like, All right, you're our kicker I was like what are you talking about? What do you mean I'm I'm your kicker? And uh, yep, they're like, yep. First, first game Sunday. Go get your shit. I'm like, oh my god. I don't even know how to put a helmet on. I, I, I literally spent that weekend practicing how to put my shoulder pads and and gear on because I didn't want to look like a dick in the locker room. And uh, um, yeah, so I, I ended up joining this team and I, I played. Um, the book is about one, one season inside a, um, you know, typical semi-pro football season. And and there's a you know, a different twist to it because I was the only white guy on the team in the first year, and I, I, you know, I'm a, your classic like suburban, you know, white boy, and I, the team I joined was um, based in like probably the most, um, you know, the toughest inner city part of Boston, Dorchester, Roxbury. So I was I was the only white white dude on the team, and um, you know, so there's a lot of sort of social and other aspects to the book that make it kind of like a, you know, kind of like a Friday Night Lights look at semi-pro football, but from a player's point of view. That's awesome, dude. We we need to we need to check both of those out. MarkSaintOmont.com. You wanted to bring you wanted to give away something to a caller. We've got a caller on the air. I'm going to pull it up right here. Nine three seven. You're on the air with Mark Saintomont. We've got uh, 50 seconds left. Is this Mark, Mike, and or Scott? All three. It is, man. Hey, you are the first caller on uh, Red vs. Blue. Let's make sure you. Uh, th- who is this here? Is this? This is Rich. Yes, this is the Code Cracker. 
I just have to tell Mark I need a copy of the book because I bought it as a present for my fantasy partner years ago. And even though I did cheat and read it before I gave it to her, I need my own copy. Done and done. I mean, you, first of all, you, you, you can't give a book to a woman like that. You, it just shows that you won't give it back. Um, yeah, hang on the line. We're going we're gonna to go to overtime for the uh, going to go to overtime for the podcast. Hang on. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. All right, guys, we are live uh, in Red vs. Blue. We are overtime here with Mark Samon and Ron Colfaxer, the first call to the program tonight. Rick, you were just telling us a story, man. You uh, you bought a copy for uh, for who, who who'd you buy a copy for? Hey, and for and for everyone who's on in this room right now who thinks they're getting cheated, you know that I talked to you on the phone earlier today, and I told you, or yesterday, I told you about buying this book. Year what? I, I you know, Mark, I don't even remember exactly what year it came out, but the first year it came out, I bought a copy for my fantasy football partner who is female and who is smarter than two-thirds of the people in this room. So I bought her a copy of the book. I I told Scott that I did cheat, and I read it first and then gave it to her for Christmas. But now, if I have a signed copy, everything will be correct. Done, done. Well, first, thanks for buying it. Yeah, it came out in 2004. Um, The hardcover was 2004, then the paperback in 2006. And I'll I'll send you a – the paperback has a a new – not new, it was new in 06, but an epilogue that you don't get in the uh, the hardcover. So, oh, so, you, I, so I have, yeah, I have something that she doesn't have that couldn't be any better. <laughs> exactly, and it's funny you bring up the fact that that I've I've played in leagues with uh, with a couple women, and and I mean, damned if they don't finish top three typically every year. It just it drives us all crazy. Yeah, it doesn't drive yeah, me crazy because she's smarter than I am, so I just go along with it and uh, you know ride that for what it's worth. <laughs> just get the get the cash, yeah. Um yeah, well thanks for uh thanks for, for picking up the book. All right guys. Hey, I appreciate it. I'll make sure that uh you guys get uh hooked up through email. We'll make sure that uh we get that uh, information exchanged. But Mark, hey man, what a great show. Thanks for joining us, man, and we look forward to uh to seeing you back in the world of high safe fantasy football. I'm sure that I uh, well, I hope to see you in Vegas or uh, in one of the locations, man, and definitely we'll look for each other. Yeah, no doubt. Hope to see you guys in Vegas, and uh, thanks for the chat. Sorry to ramble and put you guys in overtime, but uh, good good time. So uh, any anytime, come back on. Don't ever be Mike. sorry, Mark. Uh, we we appreciate it, and uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give everybody the uh, heads up about this book because it, this is a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I had a great time tonight. All right, me too, Mike. Thanks a lot. Confessions of a Fantasy Football Junkie. Check it out, MarkSamon.com. Mark, we'll see you, buddy. All right, Scott, Mike, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Rich, dude, uh, you, you called in at the right time, man, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the World Championship of Fantasy Football here for a second. And uh, Well, shoot, I don't know what you want to say with that hasn't already been said. We we covered it at the FPA. <coughs> we, uh, we basically said what we had to say. Dustin comes back with a response. And uh, hey, you know what? That's at the end of the day, we we didn't we didn't really feel we were going to get a response, but we had to say what the players wanted, what needed to be said, and uh, we got our question out there. Yeah, I, I agree, and you know we we talked about it beforehand. 
Um, there are there are way more people out there than you and I who wonder what's going on, and um, me and my partner we're owed uh, what I would consider to be a serious chunk of money from the WCOFF, and we did not bitch or complain about it early on because we didn't put our paperwork in early on. But I don't think now that that's all over and that everybody's put in their paperwork and everybody's done everything, I think that we have every right to uh, to say that, you know, this is something that needs to be resolved, not on just our behalf, but on everyone's behalf. And to think that to think that it's uh, that there are all of those, well, not all of those people, but that there are a significant number of people out there who are still supporting this situation and this scenario just is mind-boggling to me. And I do believe that given all of the players that have responded to the FPA and have asked us to say something and to do something, many of them want us to say and do more than we are. They want us to to be mean about it and they want us to be angry and all of that. So I think we're trying to pick the middle ground, uh, but I do think it's it's definitely worth uh, our effort in saying something given that it's played out the way it has. Well, I'm going I'm, I'm to jump in here real quick. Uh, uh, this is Mike. What did you think about Justin's uh, response to, to Scott and the FBA? Well, I, I guess I'm not surprised. I mean, I know there's already been talk, for anybody who reads all the boards, there's already been talk back and forth about whether that was really Dustin replying or whether it was an attorney replying. And that might be, you know, either of those things might be true. Uh, I, they have every right, I guess, uh, the best way for me to say it is that they have every right to reply in any way that they choose. However, we have every right uh, in our attempts to represent the everyday player out there who doesn't have a voice to try to say, hey, you're snowing us in the sense that you're not giving us any answers. You're saying nothing. We're not trying to be uh, obnoxious or mean about it. Obnoxious or mean about it would have meant that we were screaming on January 15th, but we weren't. But now it's June 15th plus. So I don't see how anyone uh, can think that what we're asking for is ridiculous. Uh, if they choose to answer in the way that they choose to answer, that's up to them. Uh, but I also think that that Scott, from the uh, time that he initiated the FBA, the whole idea was to try to give us a voice so that we could say something. If it weren't for the FPA, it would just be a bunch of individuals yelling on a particular board. As it is now, I think at least we can publish our thoughts around the net in different places, allow as many people as possible to know what's going on, and end up having some sort of an impact. And that was the idea that we should have some sort of impact. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's, I'm going to let uh, Scott uh, uh, go on uh, after I get done, but. I, I think it's a sad situation, and uh, you know I posted on uh, on the on, on the board myself. But it's a sad situation the way things have uh, been handled, and uh, I just I really hope that uh, people get paid. But you know we've been seeing it for months and months and months. But uh, go ahead, Scott. It's just it's frustrating. 
Yeah, so we uh, we are going to take the next steps next week. We're going to start collecting information. We're going to ask the fancy to pass that information along to the FDA so that we can collectively uh, gather that up, put it all together, and uh, pass it on to our legal advisors to advise us on the next steps because, hey, this is not our – we're not a trade association. We're not a bunch of illegal attorneys here knowing what to do. That's why we have – we're the fantasy player community – we are just going to listen to what the players have to say. We're going to all get together, and we're going to try to act on their behalf. And so we are going to try to put, put them in touch with some information that may be of their interest. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to start that off, kick that off on Monday. And then, Rich, you've also got some more news that you want to release, and uh, it's some other shattering news. Well, um, just to make it, uh, to make it brief, uh, uh, in the middle of next week, as we finish up what is our first round of investigating, there is another blow that's coming to the fantasy world. Um, I will say, as a nod, that there is someone in the chat room tonight that has brought this up before on one of the boards. Uh, we've been working on it. We don't want to break the story until we understand exactly what's going on. But sadly, sad to say, there is another not-so-good story coming for the high-stakes fantasy world. And uh, if they pay attention to the FPA announcements in uh, the middle of this next week, uh, everyone will learn about it. All right, Rich McClellan, Cole Cracker of the Fantasy Players Association, man. I appreciate your time, and we will, uh, we will be talking soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, Rick. Mikey, that's all we got, buddy. That's the end of the show. And, uh, you know, hey, great job. Good insight as always. But listen, I want to tell you, as much advice as you got tonight for that trade, I think it's very important to realize that your best receiver on your team is Mario Manningham. You got Manningham, you got Eddie Royal, Amendola, uh, Anthony Gonzalez, and Mason. You don't have nothing at wide receiver. You've got to have You're working at Scott. So I'll give you a chance to propose a trade, and I'll take a look. But you've got to do something about that team, otherwise you're going to be making a donation for the next five years. Mike, that's uh, all we got, buddy. We'll talk next week. Great show. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your host, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.